Hello and welcome to a special edition of the 42 Courses podcast. We wanted to look back at the year and discuss who our favourite learners were, um, some of our favourite answers, uh, share some of the best things we've learned this year and also share our favourite fiction and non-fiction books as well as uh, announce who our learner of the year is. Apologies for my mic on this one. We had some technical gremlins, but we got there in the end. Anyway, um, enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, this time you'll get to hear from uh, Jake, myself and Irene. So a bit more of the team. Anyway, hope all is well and enjoy. So hi, um, welcome to our end of year special edition podcast. Um, we're joined today by Sir Lord Jake Courage um, in London. Hello. And uh, the incredible lady Irene in Cape Town. Yay, hello. <laughs> okay. um, so basically Jake and us are in lockdown in the UK. Irene is uh, probably in glorious sunshine um, in paradise, um, I'm expecting. I think it's over 30 degrees today and cooking. <laughs> well, good good news is I think it's uh, probably five degrees and not cooking here. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've, uh, it's just the three of us. There is obviously a bigger team to us. Uh, so hello and thank you to everyone else. So uh, not joining us today, but I thought uh, just the three of us could get together and have a kind of end of year catch up, chat, um, see how things going and also... Um, perhaps uh award some something out to something nice out to one of our best learners so um i don't know i mean maybe let's get that over with and done with it at first the the top learner of the year so far is stephen bray um i think he's been pretty ridiculously incredible he joined uh what was it i think midway through the year became a learner and he's now like blitzed everyone <laughs> given so many ridiculous answers yeah, his answers have been been amazing. He's definitely one of my my favourites of the year. Yeah, and congratulations, Stephen, if you're listening. I know you just passed the good advertising course, so bravo, <laughs> with more incredible answers. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know, the way that we work is um, when you when you take uh, any of our courses, you you get points. And what we've done is, if you give really good answers and other people upvote your answers, or if, internally in our team if we uh, if we mark your answer we can choose to give you more points if you do a really good answer so there's a direct correlation between people at the top of the leaderboard who are doing really well um, and who really understand the top the topic um, with their higher points um, so it just kind of makes it a bit more fun we found that tended also to make people a bit more competitive I think one of the funniest things was I remember there was a um, a lady who uh, who said uh, she emailed at the start of the course and she goes, oh, like you know, I'm not too sure about all this gamification stuff you're talking about and points. You know, it's not doesn't sound like me at all. And then she emailed me about uh, a week or two later when she had finished her first course and goes, I can't wait to get more badges. How can I get more points? <laughs> you got to tell me. <laughs> so, it's amazing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been really fun to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I thought we could go around, take take a bit of time, and say uh, who's our who's our favourite learner of the year. And, uh, Jake, uh, you can go first. Oh, that is such a tough question. Like I'm sure all of these questions are going to be. Um, there were so many <laughs> brilliant learners, so many brilliant answers. Um, I think if I had to force to with a gun to my head to pick one, I'd I'd pick Sylvie. Um, 
I just thought her answers were were always a brilliant combination of mm. very, very, very good and also very funny. Um, so I felt like I was learning a lot and also having a bit of a, a smile at the same time. Um, that's not to discredit any of the other learners, but yeah, Sylvie <laughs> was kind of the, the standout for, for me. Yeah, it has this amazing sort of uh, behavioral science lens on things as well. Um, yeah, phenomenal. I agree. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. We actually we got to chat to Sylvie earlier in the year and then, um, yeah, hi, wherever you are. <laughs> and thank yeah, you. <laughs> I actually started following her on, on Twitter because I thought she was so good. And um, yeah, there's no surprises. She's just as, as brilliant on, on Twitter. So uh, I think yeah. I think she's somewhere in Estonia, but I may, I may yeah. be wrong. I think you're right too. Um, and uh, yeah, Irene. Oh gosh, I, I I totally agree with Jake. I think it's super hard to, to single some somebody out, but I think um, for me this year, it sort of came from like quite a personal interaction that I had with one of the learners. Um, her name is Elisa. She's actually one of the top 10 learners in our leaderboard. And apart from the fantastic answers she gives and is super insightful in learning, while, while marking one of her answers, um, dogs surprisingly came up and I emailed her to say that I also believed that sometimes dogs can be the best listeners to new and bright ideas. And this actually, <laughs> it was amazing. This led to us having these chats about our, our own dogs. And she has um, a gorgeous collie cross called Elsa and I have two cute Yorkies and we even ended up exchanging um, pictures of our dogs, which I just thought was incredible and it was so personal and kind of just amazing. So that, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe you've hit on a new way to test ideas, just the dog test. Chat to the dog. They're chat, great chat the, yeah, they're great listeners. And if, if they like it, they'll two wags of the tail if they like it and three if they don't. Yes, exactly. So that was super fun. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And um, yeah, so I mean, it just I guess some some people may have seen this, but when we when we answer questions, uh, or when you when you when you submit your answers to questions, some of them are marked by us. Uh, so they actually are really marked by us. <laughs> there's there's sort of about five of us that try and mark uh, everyone's sort of answers, and. Um, we quite often email people back and, uh, and help where we can. So yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. For me, um, oh, I don't know. I think I've really enjoyed, uh, there's a guy called Matt, who I think is fourth. Um, he is also a sort of more newer learner, but um, yeah, he's been giving some incredible answers. I think though, for me, I'd, I'd have to be boring and just say Stephen, just because his answers are normally essays. Like uh, every time I uh, every time I see one of his, his his answers come up, even if it's already been marked, I still go in and and have a look and see what he's put down because it's it's normally something in, insightful. Like his, but yeah, they are normally uh, like um, it's sort of uh, an article that you would read in a in, in a newspaper or a magazine. <laughs> but they're incredibly insightful. Like uh, he'll tell you stories about his great-grandfather from world war ii and problem solving checklists and how that's helped him in his business life or just talking about sort of meditation and the power of that and other ones i mean it's there's always something new to learn i think that's the best thing actually is in our job we although we you know we 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 get to write these courses we we get to learn so much from the people that end up taking them as well which is sort of so brilliant always learning something new 
um, which I guess kind of goes on nicely to the next thing I was going to talk about, which is uh, our, our favourite answers of the year. So I don't know whether, Irene, you can start this one first if you want. Hey, totally. So uh, another another really difficult question, and I spent a lot of time going through our, our ultimate answers to see which one you know I could pick. And um, I came across um, an answer from Sylvie, who Jake was chatting about earlier, and it was um, an answer taken from our How to Be More Creative course. And the question was, write down three fantasy board members below and write down th um, three answers to this problem. Imagine you're the CEO of Lego. How could you increase profits? And her answer just made me laugh out loud. She said, one would be Trump because we could take production away from China. Two was Neil Kaiman. We write a good mystery story, make a Lego movie, and we sell it for a while. Cecil Rhodes, make the diamonds, uh, I mean the Legos, more scarce. And Bruce Wayne, <laughs> because I'm Batman. I thought that was just it was so funny. <laughs> such, a, such a crazy mix of people in one room. It really stood out for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like there's a bit of a theme emerging here because I I've chosen Stephen as my favorite yeah. answer. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, as as Chris said, he, he just writes so beautifully and and gives so much detail and and such brilliant stories. And this answer came came from the behavioral science for brands course, and the question was share another example of a brand applying social proof in a lateral manner. Um, and it was this wonderful story about uh, Virgin um, Atlantic or Virgin Airways, I guess, at the time. And it was when they were kind of sort of starting out. And at the time, the big, the big British national carrier was kind of British Airways, and they were very firm, firmly established. So the Virgin was kind of the pretender to the throne. And <clears throat> they had this kind of genius uh, PR move where they helped evacuate hostages from, from Baghdad. Um, and in doing so kind of created this perception of being the British national carrier and taking that away from British Airways. Um, and even the chairman of, of BA at the time, Lord King, said as much um, in an attempt to kind of rectify the damage to his, his brand. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's so clever that they got social proof simply by flying an aircraft to Baghdad and, and getting the people home. Um, you know, a charter plane could have made the trip but they were able to kind of capitalize on the moment uh, and on the publicity. And I think actually Virgin and Richard Branson have been so good at that um, in general. Mm. I mean, there was that very funny story about um, when British Airways was a sponsor for the London Eye, you know, the kind of big Ferris wheel in London. And for a long time, it was on, on, on a floating platform in the Thames. And the last bit was to kind of uh, to raise it up and they, remember Virgin flew a sort of a plane over with a banner saying um, BA can't get it up um, and obviously <laughs> that was kind of front page news and and I think Virgin are brilliant at that sort of stuff but yeah his answer was was so good. Yeah it's an incredible one I love that I love that uh, London Eye thing as well it's brilliant. Um, yeah. I think my, my one I'm going to go for a, for a stupid answer just because it made me laugh so much. This is a guy from uh, uh, called Eric Slinning, who um, he said, uh, share an example of a nudge in a supermarket, which could lead you to make an unhealthy food decision. And um, he said, uh, this is based on some Norwegian research that found that if you place beer next to diapers, 
it significantly increases beer, beer sales for male buyers with small children. <laughs> I just thought, what a brilliant lateral way to, to sell some beer. <laughs> I don't know how many supermarkets you'd be allowed to do that, but uh, I thought that was uh, that was genius. Uh, I mean, there are loads of others. We've, we've had lots of funny answers actually over the years. Um, I think there's some other, another one I thought, thought found this year that I thought was really funny was um, it said to uh, ask for an example of a paradox of choice. You know, when you've had, you've experienced kind of you being overwhelmed because of the choices in front of you and someone's just put down Tinder swipes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people uh, in one of our other, uh, I think it's um, had to be more creative courses. We, we ask people how they, we tell people about the power of sort of trying to relax and detach uh is actually really good if you if you're struggling just sort of having a moment of rest is is good and so we we ask people um you know what's your favorite way to switch off and um <laughs> there's a lot of people who put down sex <laughs> so i thought that was pretty funny yeah so, there, there are quite a few not safe for work answers to that question <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's been entertaining to uh, to read some of them for sure, <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah the uh, the other one they thought we we asked about today was uh, sort of any any kind of favourite or interesting things that that we've learned this year, which is probably always really a hard one because we learn so many things uh, on a on an almost daily basis which is kind of uh, uh very lucky but it makes it very hard to single one thing out um i know i've asked everyone else to go first so i better i i, I better go first i guess this time um it was probably from uh i mean it, it's normally it's going to be one that i've remembered more recently so i think it's probably one on um this kind of uh <clears throat> this idea of when you're working with companies, this idea that a lot of time is spent trying to figure out how you work well with your colleagues. And um, I was reading in, in, a, in a book uh, the other day about this great idea of kind of creating a manual that, that's just called, you know, how to work with me. And it just sort of, uh, in a, in a non-hectic way, it just sort of asks, uh, you know, what's your name? And then uh, what kind of things do you like to see in other people? What are your What are the things that drive you insane? Um, uh, you know, what, what what makes you really admire someone else? And, and this is obviously in a work environment. Um, so um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just I thought this kind of idea of just <clears throat> writing down how you operate and how you like to operate is actually could save so many people and so many businesses an awful lot of time. It's almost like a user, a user manual for me because um, we're all so different. I mean, uh, there's only there's three of us on this call, but I know that we're all very different. Um, Jake is, is, is about 100% more organized than I am. Um, and so is Irene, <laughs> to be fair. Um, so uh, it, it's, uh, there's, there's certainly stuff that I can do that, that drive them insane. Um, so it's, uh, I think if you, if you, if you figure out how, how to work well with people, then everything else becomes much more uh, clear and much more, much more easy to handle. I think, um, yeah, small, easy, easy thing that we can all do anyway. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jake, you can go next. Yeah, no, I, I like that one. I also think sometimes I would have really benefited from a manual when you start a new job, which is kind of things we've tried 
before already. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it feels like so many jobs you do, you end up rehashing the same kind of projects and the same kind of ideas because no one ever keeps a record of what, what's been done before. Um, I mean, I'm sure there must be some great organizations that actually do that, but I always thought that would have been quite helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, so many things learn, we get to learn on a daily basis, um, which is a real privilege and trying to decide which one is my favorite is not easy, but um, something that I did have been reading about recently is a book about m memories um, and how, you know, the senses are connected to memories. So, you know, if we have particularly, you know, strong memories, they're often associated with, with things like smell or, or touch or hearing and um, smell in particular, I think is a really interesting one. And uh, I found out that Andy Warhol, the sort of famous pop artist had a kind of an obsession with, with scent and smells. And he had his own museum of scent um, where he kind of kept this permanent smell collection and he used to change his uh, perfume or aftershave, whatever you want to call it, uh, on a regular basis and keep them in bottles and he would then smell them every now and again and the smells would kind of evoke different periods in his life when he was doing different things. Um, and I just thought that was, that was incredible and I'm sure we've also kind of all experienced it ourselves when sometimes you'll go to a new place but there's a smell in that new place that takes you back to um, a time when you were to time when you were younger. And I had it not that long ago. I can't remember where I was, but it was the smell of the sort of changing room of um, at, at school, you know, when you kind of would get ready to, to play sport and the smell was, you know, to me almost exactly the same as how I remembered it at school. And for a moment I was kind of, transported back to the the changing room at school which I'm not sure was necessarily a good thing but um <laughs> it, it it was uh, a reminder of, of of how important the senses are in terms of making memories and one of the tips from this book was you know if you do, if you do you know find yourself having a day you know like we all do um that that's just one of those magical days for whatever reason the weather's nice and you're doing something nice with friends or you're traveling or whatever it is you know, really try and be mindful about um, its impact on your senses. So, you know, really, really take the opportunity to, to really observe what's going on with your eyes, to really listen to what's going on around you, to, to really taste and feel and smell, um, because much later on, you'll be, you'll be happy that you did, because you can then recall those memories so much more, more vividly. So, yeah, that's my long-winded answer. Such a good one, I I, I mean, I, I know um, when when the weather gets a bit dark here, if I'm feeling particularly gloomy, I'll uh, often put on some sun spray, like sun cream, and uh, and then it just makes me think of summer again. Um, and I thought that, that that kind of always always just it's a small little lift me up. Uh, I know that you 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 can't overdo it if you keep doing that every day. It'll obviously you'll lose your association with it, but it's it's a fun thing to do every now and then. I remember actually when. Um, Last year, when I started that cancer treatment, um, the nurses said to me, "If you've just if you've got any soaps or shower gels or anything that you use, just probably don't use them anymore. If you really like them, because if you carry on using them, you'll probably associate the smell of that soap or that shower gel with chemotherapy treatment." 
Um, and uh, I, at first I was like, oh, it's nonsense. Like, you know, I was going to carry on doing this. But it, it's absolutely right. I was using like a really nice sort of Aesop soap at the time. And uh, and like now, whenever I whenever I use it, it kind of brings back this sort of memory of perhaps not such a great period. Uh, so, uh, well, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's a great example. Yeah, both of those are great examples for different reasons. But yeah, that association with smell is so powerful. Yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting one. To, that, that, yeah, I didn't I don't know why she brought this up, but yeah, I thought it was very uh, I thought that was very interesting. Anyway, but uh, yeah, sorry, oh, Irene. Oh, well, so um, I think both of those are super interesting. And I know, as you guys know, we kind of like send out um, some fun and random facts in all of our weekly newsletters that we send out. And we always try and, you know, find fun things, whether they're about, you know, human behaviors or creative habits or, you know, just really fun things. Because I think we also really believe that all learning should be fun. And I think this is one of the things that I found to be super interesting because I learned these crazy random facts, but whoever I tell them, they're always like, oh, that's interesting. How do you know that? So this is great. Um, and one of the most interesting ones I thought this year was, um, I learned that um, cheese is the most shoplifted item in the world. I don't know wow. if either of you have shoplifted any cheese. No, but, not yet. No, I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't say even if I had. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, I thought that was quite interesting, but um, I think another one that I learned only I think yesterday was I was chatting to Chris and I think Jake, you were also on the call. We were chatting about rhinestones and I'd never yeah. heard about these before. And it's, I've been trying to look for like all these YouTube clips on it to try and understand it a bit more. Um, but basically having a currency of stories, I thought was something that was truly unique and, and quite remarkable. I don't know, Chris, if you want to give like a one minute. Yes. <laughs> So the, rock, the one minute overview of rye stones. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's sort of, um, it was a currency that, that was used in, uh, in, I think it was Polynesian islands. Um, and basically these, uh, the, the local islanders would carve out of stone these uh, large circular discs with a hole in the middle. So you could put a sort of stick through it and then carry them around. Because <clears throat> they're big blocks of stone you wouldn't really move them around too much you'd carve it out and then it would it would rest in one place um but the stones these rye stones acted as a currency uh for the local villages and the value of the stones wasn't um to do with the craftsmanship on how well they'd been carved or the size of them um it was to do with the stories that were associated with them so the smallest crappiest looking one could be worth way more than the biggest, most polished looking one. Um, and some of them you couldn't even see. Uh, so there were, there were stories where people would sort of drop them over a boat on the way from one island to another and they'd just be lost at the bottom of the sea, but they were still used as currency even though you couldn't see it. And what, what would happen is, say if a villager wanted to marry someone else or into another family, the kind of dowry or the, the way that you would maybe buy your house would be to transfer one of your family rye stones to someone else. Um, there was no physical transfer, the, the thing stayed where it was, but the stories and that, that rye stones passed along, all of those passed along with the transaction. Um, and I think uh, we first came across this, I, I think when we were doing research for, uh, for FinTech, um, and, uh, and I think when I was doing some, some research at Ogilvy actually years ago for, for and looking at culture change and the power of stories, but 
it's uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. There was a lot of similarities given to it with with Bitcoin, and that there's a limited number of them, and they're always kind of transferring, and everyone has a, a kind of there is a mental record of where everything is, or there's a there's a ledger of which one belongs to who. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was yeah, it's lovely. It's a lovely example. You're you're, you're absolutely right. And when Irene says we make these fun facts, um, I must say that is 99.999% of the time Irene. So thank you. <laughs> so anyone loves our Friday emails. Um, it is it is pretty much 100% Irene. You have to thank for that. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Um, and then, uh, oh, what else are we going to talk about? I mean, so many things I want to talk about, but... Um, I, I actually, yeah, just while I remember that thing that you were saying, Jake, about companies not remembering things, um, it's so interesting. I think that's kind of part of the reason why why we exist as well. Um, you know, we we make we try and make a lot of courses with with companies, and when we're when we're making these courses with companies, it almost creates a a record of knowledge that they've learnt. Um, yeah, so the, for example, the most popular course on our platform is still Rory Sutherland's Babel Economics course. Um, and there's, there's thousands of people from the Ogilvy offices who have taken that course now, which is pretty good. So it's a great way for companies to transfer their own knowledge. Um, and externally, obviously, it kind of acts as a nice thought, thought leadership positioning place, kind of like when you buy a book or when you go up and do a talk, it's sort of if you're learning from that that individual that brand it positions them as a, as a thought leader um anyway random thought but um yeah so uh what was this the other one we're going to talk to you near the end so think of the thing you would most like to learn about or the subject that you would most like to learn about maybe it's the course that you're most excited to to launch next year i mean there are a bunch of them <laughs> um okay we'll start with jake again uh no pressure um, again, really difficult question because there's so many exciting things coming next year. Um, I mean, I think very obviously I'm excited about this follow-up to Rory's course, um, mm. sort of behavioral economics, but more about how you practically apply it to, to business. So I think um, that's going to be really popular and that's been interesting doing the research for that. Um, the one I'm personally most interested in um, and I, I think uh, we will be launching at some point next year is, is uh, on personal finance. Um, it's sort of a topic that I've become interested in recently myself and, and doing all the research. Um, and it's one of those topics, you know, that you're not taught anything about in school um, and yet is obviously so vitally important to, to life. And it just has made me think about that whole topic in general, you know, all of the things that you don't learn at school that are really useful. And I think that's also something that we're trying to do is fill some of those gaps. Um, you know, and some of the courses we have already do that. Um, and obviously there's lots more to come, but it sort of amazes me that we aren't taught, you know, skills like how to sell or how to negotiate or how to manage our personal finances. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of really excited about that one. And and some of the other courses in the pipeline that I think will also help to, to plug those skills gaps. Um, and, you know, they have such broad application for, for anybody. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in, you know, you can always learn to be a better negotiator or to sell better or, um, yeah. or whatever it is. So yeah, that would be mine. 
yeah it's uh, it makes sense i mean and so uh, people often ask us like how do you decide how to make these courses um so i mean just as a there is no sort of silver bullet answer to that but the the rough thinking from our side is you know is this something that's timely and relevant to to the world that we live in today and is this something that's going to help people in their professional lives and in their personal lives um we look a lot at um the uh gosh what's it called that not un thing world economic forum yeah uh, the world economic forum every year publish a, a a list of the top 10 subjects that they think are needed in the world for the next five years so we we look at those kind of things a lot as well to try and track what kind of things are trending so we're not really on a mission to to try and be like linkedin or someone else who's making a kajillion courses on every single subject i think we're kind of quite quite careful when we try and choose the subjects to make sure that they're the things that are going to be helpful and quite generic for people in, in their lives today and you know we our biggest partnership was with cam lions and so yes there is a huge or a healthy swing of creativity courses but the reason why we're quite happy about that is creativity is has been you know, number one or two it's certainly in the top three things that people need to learn um and that's been that way for the last kind of five years i think as as the world becomes more automated you know though that creativity side of things is is going to carry on being more and more important so understanding how to be more creative and uh, how to think strategically and uh, and all of these things is is is, is key for us and um, anyway so it was a waffle um irene i'll let you uh, get on with it Cool. So I think um, I'm super curious about biomimicry, and I think that's definitely mm. one subject that I'd really, really like to learn a lot more. I don't feel like there's a lot about it out there at the moment, and I think it's such an untapped kind of area of, of creativity. And I think, you know, just thinking about the idea that Mother Nature is like the ultimate engineer and really provides us with unique opportunities, you know, to mm. sort of come up with new solutions and also just like explore a whole new way of, of thinking creatively. And so I'm super excited about that. And luckily we actually do have the course coming up, I think in the beginning of next yeah. year on biomimicry. So I think that's definitely, definitely one of my favorites. I've even been doing some research on it myself and I found it's such an interesting um, concept Velcro and I never knew like the, the backstory of it. And then I, I kind of like, just read a little bit more about it and I found that it was invented actually by a Swiss electrical engineer of all people um, and he got the idea after observing these little birds that stick they were like sticking to his dog's fur and to his clothes and so after like he, he examined these birds quite a lot he noticed that the the hooks basically catch into anything with a loop and that's where he came up with this whole idea of, of you know velcro and I think there's so many examples of this in nature that we really just haven't tapped into and how we can really come up with really creative and fun solutions so I think that one for me is definitely something I'd love to learn a lot more about you, you stole it I was going to say the same <laughs> so, I love well, I can't wait yeah, I can't wait for the biomimicry course to be out. We got—I mean, uh, Jake managed to interview uh, Gordon Murray for that. He's the guy who uh, who made the McLaren F1 or something, didn't he? It wasn't wasn't Gordon Murray. Um, who was it? Um, my his name has now escaped me, which is really embarrassing because uh, it's a car guy, right? It's a it's a car guy, very famous car designer who is brilliant, and his name is—I still can't remember. I'm gonna have to Google it. Um, Frank's Frank Stephenson, I think. 
Yes. That's it. Okay. Frank Stephenson. Yeah. Yeah. But we would like to interview Gordon Murray. Yeah, um, if Gordon Murray is listening, or if anyone knows Gordon Murray, please let us know. <laughs> really keen. To um, I think he's to. quite busy at the moment launching his new supercar. But if he is oh. listening, um, yeah, we'd love to ask him. It'll only take 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 he's, minutes, uh, exactly. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just have a, have a quick chat with him. No, no worries at all. <laughs> anyone know Gordon Murray? Let us know. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so if I can't say biomimicry, then I'm going to have to say creative leadership. I think um, it's, it, we, we actually did a run through with the course yesterday. Um, we were hoping to try and launch it by the end of this year, but we've just, uh, yeah, we don't want to launch anything that's other, anything other than, than brilliant. So uh, we ended up doing multiple rewrites for these things. And I think we kind of wanted to shift the structure a little bit more. And there's also a few thought leaders that we're, we're still waiting to get some videos from, but um, it's, it's ending up being a, a pretty, a pretty thorough course. I think it'll be possibly the longest one that we've done. Um, I mean, yesterday when we looked at it, we we're thinking it might even go as long as 12 chapters, which is quite quite long. And what we're thinking of doing is create like reducing the number of lessons in each chapter so that you feel like you're sort of getting through the course a little bit faster. Um, but I think this idea of creative leadership, which isn't necessarily how to lead creative people, it's just, you know, our belief is that any great leader is inherently creative. And, um, you know, whether, whether this is a FTSE 100, uh, you know, power company, uh, or whether this is, um, you know, you're leading a, 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 a team of people on a hike, um, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's the same, it's the same things that, that, that you need to learn or that you need to, you need to understand. And I think it touches on so many different topics, which is just what makes it so brilliant. You know, you've got a little bit about creativity, there's bits about how to shift culture, there's uh, bits about failure, there's bits about, it touches on everything. Um, and, and it's ultimately about shifting human behavior, which as we know is, is really, really hard to do. It's hard to change our own behavior, let alone someone else's and let alone hundreds of other people's. So um, it's a tricky one to get right, but I think um, I'm really excited by it. And it, it also kind of selfishly, I think uh, we're all, we're all kind of behavioral science, behavioral economics fans, and it kind of splits on a little bit of stuff from that, that industry as well, that subject as well. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, right, I think that's kind of it. Maybe, oh, favorite books, favorite book of the year. Um, Everyone likes really, a recommendation. Yeah. Fiction and nonfiction? Yeah, it can be fiction, nonfiction, doesn't matter. So I think um, my favorite nonfiction was definitely The Four by Scott Galloway, which kind of discussed like the four tech giants, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, and also like what's really needed to become a first ever like trillion dollar business. So I highly recommend that for anyone in any business to kind of read, super insightful. Mm. And then my favorite fiction book was um, a book called Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, just because I thought it was beautiful and it like, it was a celebration of nature and it was heartbreaking but warming and it was just it was really amazing so another one i highly recommend yeah it's a it's a brilliant but very emotional um yeah good one good example uh sir jake um my favorite um non-fiction read of this year was how to fail by elizabeth day um She's got a very popular podcast by the same name where she interviews 
um, lots of interesting people and talks to them very personally about failure um, in their lives, whatever that that may be. And yeah, I think I think it was extremely well written and. Um, also, you know, she she showed a lot of vulnerability talking about her own failures in the in throughout the book, which I think made you kind of really trust and believe in what she was saying. And you know, failure I think is one of those things that, again, you know, maybe not in all societies, but a lot of societies has kind of a negative connotation, and people try and avoid failing, and a lot of that is tied up with the kind of indoctrination you get at school about passing and failing exams and and all of those sorts of uh, kind of references that make you think failure is a bad thing. And in reality, you know, failure is part of part of success. It's, you know, a stepping stone to success. And, you know, without failure, you can't have progress. You can't have innovation. Um, and, you know, if you look at any of the great companies or, or great people in life, you know, there's a catalog of failures that sit behind their, their successes. Um, and so, yeah, I think bringing that kind of topic out into the open and, and making it something that people can talk about more freely, I think is a positive thing. Um, you know, I think that's the same for any subject that's a bit taboo, you know, whether it's um, whatever it, whatever it's about being able to discuss it more openly, I think is a positive thing for society. And then for my fiction um, is a, a very funny, quite silly story um, by the Swedish author, called The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out of the Window and Disappeared. Um, I didn't read it in Swedish. That would have been impressive. But uh, the English translation is still very, very funny. And it's just a completely wacky, off-the-wall story about a guy who um, decides to escape from his care home because he's fed up of living there and goes on this absolutely ridiculous adventure where all sorts of wild things happen. Um, and it's just very, very funny, I think. Scandinavian humor they, they have a wonderful kind of dark dark sense of humor um, and and it comes out and in that book um, so yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend that for a, a very light entertaining holiday read that's brilliant I remember going to Iceland and and realizing their humor was incredibly dark it's like a English sarcasm turned up to 11 it's uh yeah. it's it's pretty hilarious Anyway, um, yeah, uh, mine, I think, for fiction, I would say perhaps a bit of a boring choice, but I, I, I loved uh, reading Stephen Fry's Heroes book um, this year. So um, I, I'm, I'm really good. I'm massively dyslexic, so I'm really good with audiobooks. So I ended up listening to his audiobook, and it, so just listening to Stephen Fry is always amazing. Um, but he does some brilliant accents and stuff on, the, on this as well. But I, I just, I hadn't fully contemplated how much modern stories and modern films are influenced by old Greek mythology. The non-fiction book um, is one that I've just been reading recently. It's a, um, a book called Brave New Work from Aaron Dignan. Um, and Aaron Dignan is, uh, uh, Jake and Irene all know because I've been banging on about it for the last like two weeks. But um, the uh, it's just it's a book on on leadership and on uh, on the modern day workplace and it's just really fascinating and lots of interesting stories lots of um, sort of examples of extreme use cases so it'll share companies that that don't have uh, that, that allow their staff to to choose their own salary and, uh, which is pretty incredible there's 
lots of stories about other things which seemingly are disconnected, unrelated, but actually are very related to how we do business and how we operate today. It's just just a fascinating book on business. Also, his talks, if you ever, if you're too lazy to read a book, just Google Aaron Dignan and you'll find some brilliant talks. There's a really good one from um, that he did at the Google office. Um, right, I think that's probably about it. I mean, uh, I, I think, yeah, what a what a crazy year it's been. Hopefully next year is less moody and less bumpy and less crazy. Um, I think, you know, for us, we've been very lucky being in e-learning. We've actually grown as a business, which is great. I think our, we've grown, um, Jake, you were showing this the other day, I think it was 350%. Um, Sounds like crazy like that, yeah. Numbers and figures guy, but I think that's good. Um, so <laughs> long, long may that remain um and uh yeah i mean we've had had some in incredible sort of stats this year as well you know reading that we've had 117,577 questions answered and counting which is also just uh, mind-boggling so uh yeah thank you and and thank you so much again for everyone who's uh written in and shared your incredible stories um and yeah, I know that seems like we've helped quite a few of you through sort of some some bad times in lockdown and maybe uh, given you some some new get up and go to to try try something new. And uh, so, yeah, thank you so much. The the notes really keep us going. I've got got one in front of us here from a chap called Paolo, literally just sent it a couple of hours ago. And he said, uh, uh, you know, have, learning from you was uh, was a superb and fully intimate uh, perspective of, uh, of this topic. He took the um, behavioral economics course. He said it was a little bit like going down to a local pub and um, chatting to a friend um, who also happened to be a master science scientist in human behavior. <laughs> he was, who was happy to share the knowledge and uh, about nudging and social proofing and framing. Um, and he said, uh, you know, I, I believe I'm a rational guy trying to make logical decisions, but maybe I have learned that it isn't always quite that way. We all act and behave in rather interesting ways and i'm happy to have figured that out i feel i'm now more ready to face 2021 um so yeah, i mean for, for everyone who's written into us it really does keep us going when times were tough our time our side um reading those notes uh, always lifted us up and, and helped us so uh, really thank you and um we, we hope we continue to be proud and uh, we'll uh, looking forward to making lots more incredible courses uh, for you uh, next year but um, yeah, thank you so much. Hope you are having a marvellous Christmas or festive season um, or Hanukkah or whatever you're celebrating wherever you are in the world and uh, have an absolutely fantastic, uh, hopefully way less moody 2021. So uh, yeah, thank you. And thank you, Jake and Irene for joining. Thank Super you. ridiculously kind. Thank you. Thank you so much again for listening and hope you're all having a marvellous time wherever you are and uh, wishing you all the very best for 2021. I hope it's a uh, much less moody and much uh, more calm and prosperous uh, time for everyone. Uh, keep well, stay well, big love and thanks again for all the support. Bye.